One day in my reading, there was Psalm 111.10, answering my question of where to begin in a most unexpected way. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I had to read it several times to let it sink in. The wisdom I longed for started where? Of all the possible origin points for wisdom, fear of the Lord was not one I would have come up with on my own. This was not a verse that made me want to cue the music, fling out my arms, and twirl in a field. The God of my church upbringing was a snuggly daddy God, one who I pictured to be much like my gentle and deeply affectionate earthly father. The concept of fearing God was foreign to me. How could the path to wisdom have as its starting point the fear of the Lord? Scanning the verse, my eyes kept trying to replace the word fear with love. Shouldn't the love of the Lord be the beginning of wisdom? How could the Bible say in one breath that perfect love casts out fear and then turn around and say that fear was the first step toward wisdom? My conception of God was that he was approachable and accessible, the God that the Lord's Prayer endearingly refers to as our Father. And he is that. He is mercifully and gloriously that Father. But what the fear of the Lord acknowledges is that he is not only that. He is also in heaven with a name that is hallowed above all others. He is both a God who is near to us and a God who transcends. The fear of the Lord comprehends the fact that the Father we are taught to call ours is also the Lord of the universe and thrown between the cherubim, doing as he pleases among the nations. Not all of us grew up with a snuggly earthly daddy, much less a concept of an approachable daddy God. Despite knowing the grace of salvation, many of us still suspect that God, like Nancy, is perpetually scowling reproachfully in our direction. But the Bible paints for us a picture of a God who neither scowls nor coddles, a God who is both our Father and in heaven, in perfect balance. Finding that balance requires gaining a good working definition for how Psalm 111.10 uses the word fear. And for that, we can turn to the book of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews takes care to distinguish between the fear of God's consuming wrath and the fear of God's holiness. Both may cause us to tremble, but only the second causes us to worship and repent. Because of Christ, you and I do not come cowering to fearsome, thundering Mount Sinai. Instead, we come expectantly to glorious, approachable Mount Zion. Hebrews 12, 18-24 we are exhorted to respond to this God by offering Him, quote, acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Worshipful reverence and awe, not cowering dread, define a right fear of the Lord. The worshipful reverence and awe of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we fear the Lord rightly, we do so not as those who are terrified of Him, Christ, our mediator, assures us that we may approach the throne of God with confidence. We do not tremble as the demons do. They rightly fear the wrath of God. Rather, we tremble as those who understand that God's wrath toward us is satisfied at the cross. When we fear God rightly, we recognize Him for who He truly is, a God of no limits and therefore utterly unlike anyone or anything we know. This is the start of becoming wise. But consider the inverted message of Psalm 111.10. Not only is the fear of the Lord the beginning of wisdom, the fear of man is the beginning of folly. This is the dual exhortation of Proverbs 31.30 that we need so desperately to understand. 
Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. The fear of man is the beginning of folly. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we lose sight of the majesty of God, we invariably fill the gap in our vision with the fable of the majesty of someone else. We revere a spouse or a leader. We worship our children or a friend. We even give reverence and awe to ourselves. And this is complete folly. Not only is it unwise to give our worship to someone other than God, it is the very definition of irrationality, and it's an exhausting business. So this is a book that hopes to reclaim the idea of the God-fearing woman, from yellow portraits and antique oval frames, as well as from the soft-filtered, script-adorned frames of Instagram. In the pages that follow, I want us to consider the majesty of a limitless God. I want us to meditate on His perfections.